Have you ever felt like you've let God down? Have you ever felt as if you were a failure, that all of your thoughts and actions that particular day were, well, far less than what you had desired and what you had wanted? Well, today we're going to look at a character in the Bible that I'm sure that you're very familiar with. His name is Simon Peter. Simon Peter was one of the important characters in the pages of Scripture, uh, and he was a leader in the church as it, as it grew following Easter. But Peter had his struggles, and Peter had his moments. We've been studying through this theme of Easter upside down. And we've looked at different characters in Scripture and how Easter changed their life. We saw Judas and how, G how Judas betrayed Jesus because Jesus wasn't exactly the kind of Christ that he thought he should be. We saw Mary of Bethany who anointed Jesus' feet with oil and prepared him for burial. We saw last week about uh, the man blind Bartimaeus who was healed by Jesus as Jesus was on his way to Jericho or to Jerusalem going through Jericho and though he was on the route to save the world he stopped and met the needs of this one ordinary beggar Simon Peter we have a lot more information about we see him more frequently in scripture than these other ones that we've talked about their entire uh, books, in fact, at the, at the back of your Bible that were written by Peter and as he discussed his walk and his relationship with Jesus. So I could have chose several different places, but I think what Peter is perhaps most familiar with, or what you're most familiar with about Peter, is the day or the night that Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. That story is told in all four of the Gospels, uh, and uh, we're going to be looking today in Luke chapter 22. We're going to begin at verse 31, but in Luke chapter 22, uh, we're going to read this account as Jesus first prophesies, foretells that, that, that uh, uh, Peter will deny knowing him, and then we'll see the actual denial a little bit later that night. Let me, let me set the scene for you, if you will. They are, the disciples have just concluded their meal, their Passover meal with Jesus. And they have, they are in, gathered in that upper room and they are uh, sharing in some instruction, some fellowship with one another and then some teaching by Jesus. Somewhere along the line, a, a debate breaks out between the, the, the uh, disciples that that asks who's the greatest of us all I, somehow along the way uh, they all begin to say well i'm the greatest of all and then jesus talks about how there's going to be one of you that'll betray me betray even knowing me and uh, uh judas is going to uh be used by satan to betray jesus following this meal and all of them stop their debating over who's the greatest and begin to discuss, could it be me? Could I be the one who fails Jesus, who lets Jesus down? Well, they soon return to their debate about who's the greatest of all. And of course, Peter, ha Peter has his opinion, his thought about it. And that's where we take up in, in uh, Luke chapter 22. The other gospels say that 
that Jesus answers this in response to, uh, to this, this debate, this discussion. Uh, and, but Luke gives us some information the other ones don't. Follow along with me as I begin reading at verse 31. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. Let me just stop for just a moment and, and point out a couple of things about it. The, first of all is the word demanded. Some of the versions say asked. And it's, it's the only time in the Bible that this word is used. This demand that Satan is having to, uh, to, uh, to have you, to have uh, Peter. And it's a strong word. It's a word that would, could translate asked forcefully. Sometimes, perhaps at work, your boss may ask you to do an assignment. But you understand it's a forceful asking that's been taking place. That's what the word is here. And the second word I want you to notice is the word you. It sounds like he's talking about just Peter. But in fact, the word you in the Greek is in the plural, which means Satan has asked, demanded to, to have all of you. And he wants to see if he can break down your faith. And see if he can break down your witness and cause you to fall away from following him. But he says, Jesus says, uh, he wants to sift you like wheat. Verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to the prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And then if you will, just come down a, a little bit in, in your reading down to, in the same chapter, Luke 22, to verse 54. This follows the, the encounter of, of Jesus in the garden after, after he is uh, has been arrested by the temple guards and taken to the uh, chief priest's house. In fact, that's where we, where we take him up at this time. Verse 54, then they seized him and led him away, bringing him to the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. I might just say that following at a distance uh, is really a courageous thing. At least Peter was following Jesus. Peter and John were the only two who made it to the high priest's house as Jesus is going to be put on trial. Verse 55, when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and they sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, 
while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Pay attention to that. The Lord looked and turned, uh, turned and looked at Peter at the very moment that rooster's crowing because Peter is going to remember what Jesus had said just hours before. It says, immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. This is a sad story. It's not at all like the joyful, triumphant entry on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem. That had taken place just four or five days before. Now here is Peter, arguably one of the leaders of the 12 disciples. A man of great faith and courage and steadfastness. It was Peter, you remember, who got out of the boat and walked on water when Jesus was walking on water. It was Peter who earlier that night had pulled a dagger and cut off the ear of the temple servant Malchus that Jesus miraculously put back on the man's head. It was Peter who, who said things and did things. It was Peter who, who, who responded to Jesus' question when he asked, who do people say I am? That Peter was the one who said, you're the Christ, the Son of God. Peter was a very bold man. Peter tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross. Remember when, when uh, Jesus was telling that he would have to go to the cross, would be crucified, would be buried, and on the third day rise again. And Peter said to him, Jesus, not on my watch. It's not going to happen. So forcefully that Jesus had to say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. So Peter was a man who was very bold and very strong. But here he is on the night where Jesus is on trial. The next morning, Jesus will be crucified. He will endure a beating that would have destroyed the lives of most men. But Jesus endured the beating, and he endured the cross, and Peter suddenly shrunk like a, like a fading violet. He, he, rather than being the upfront person in the garden that pulled out the dagger, he was a man who followed Jesus from far off. A man of courage, a man of great faith. And by the way, I'm convinced that when Peter said to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to know I will follow you anywhere. I will follow you to prison. I will follow you to death. I'm convinced that Peter meant it. I'm convinced that Peter wasn't just blowing air and telling Jesus what he thought he wanted to hear. Peter meant that he was this committed to following Jesus. Sometimes in our zeal to demonstrate faithfulness to God, we make some commitments like that ourselves. Sometimes we, we say things and make promises and pledges to God that God who knows all and who knows our future even knows that we probably won't keep those commitments. We'll fail along the way. Now, I know that when I say things like that, that makes us feel about two inches tall. When, when we are uh, 
when we ha are convinced that we can be committed wholly to Jesus and we find out that we can't and that we won't, somewhere along the way, we feel insignificant. We feel like a nobody. We feel like a failure. That's what Peter went through that night. Now, I, I want you to also remember that none of this took Jesus by surprise. Jesus already knew what Peter didn't know. And that was that he would fail that night. So Jesus told him, tonight, just even tonight, Peter, you make these commitments, but even tonight, before you wake up in the morning, before the rooster crows at daybreak, you will deny three times that you even know who I am. Peter says, not me. These others may fail you. These others may run away. But I will never run away. So Peter ran away. Peter failed. And he followed Jesus from afar, it says, from a distance. You know, it's a, when you're following Jesus from afar, from a distance, it's an easy thing to have faith and courage. But when you're right up in the action, when you're on the front lines, like Peter was that night, when Jesus was on trial inside the temple, uh, the high priest of the temple's house, and outside were all the temple guards who had arrested him, and all of those other ones who were assigned to the temple, and Peter was sitting around the campfire with them, it's a little tougher, a little bit more difficult, because at this point now, Peter's life is on the line. And so Peter, Peter, when he's asked by a young servant girl, I, I, I find that fascinating that God chose to use not one of the big brutes that arrested Jesus, not Malchus or, or Malchus' sergeant or commander to arrest Jesus or to confront Peter, but a little servant girl, apparently by the language, the girl whose job it was to watch the gate, to sit outside and let people in there checking IDs and passes and all of those things. This girl says, you're with him. You're one of the group. I don't know him. Then a little bit later, the other gospels tell us that it was a man who says it. In Luke's gospel, he, he, Jesus responds as if it were to a man. But one of the gospels tell us that it was the same servant girl that came back and says, well, yeah, you are. I've seen you. And Jesus says, no, I don't know him. I don't know what you're speaking about. Then after about an hour, according to Luke's gospel, another comes up to him and says, you're a Galilean. Probably, they, scholars believe that it was because of the dialect or the language that, um, that Peter spoke with. His accent gave him away. You know, when you're in a crowd of people, you can hear people talking. You can almost tell with certainty what part of the United States different people are from. You can tell somebody by their accent, typically, who's from New York or from Boston or from Atlanta. You can tell somebody who's from the West Coast. You can, you can tell someone from Wisconsin just because of the accent. 
The Galileans had an accent that gave them away. And, and, and as Jesus, the Galilean, was on trial before the high priest, Peter was out speaking the, uh, the language of Galilee that he, that he spoke. And they said, your, your tongue gives you away. And then he, he says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And I believe that he probably broke out his best Judean accent that he could. He tried to change his accent to hide his voice so that he wouldn't be a giveaway. But he was. And then Peter says, I don't know him. Uh, you guys need to leave me alone. And while he's speaking, the rooster crows. It's, it's nearly daybreak. Jesus would have been through a night not only of trial, but a night of beatings. First at the hands of the temple guards as they mocked him and made fun of him and beat him with sticks and with their fists. And then when he went before uh, Pilate and then Pilate had him scourged and he was beaten, severely beaten. He was, he was whipped 39 lashes and he was left beaten and bruised and broken. And now it's morning time. And in just two or three hours, Jesus is going to be nailed to a cross beaten, bloodied. I want you to imagine in your mind what Jesus may have looked like when he was inside the high priest's house and Peter was outside looking at him, watching him, trying to find out what was going on on the inside. And Peter says, I don't know this man. The rooster crows and immediately scriptures say that Jesus looked at Peter. Can you imagine that look. Can you imagine when you've let someone down? When you've done something that is horrible, horrible, horrible. And you've done something that offends these loved ones to have to face them. That's what Peter was going through in that moment. As he looked in through the window. And he saw Jesus looking back at him. It only lasted for a second. Maybe for a moment. But in Peter's mind, it would last forever. He had let his best friend down. The one who was going to the cross to die for him, he had let him down. Now here's where the preaching on the story of Peter becomes easy. I can identify with that. I can't begin to tell you the number of times where I have said something like, God, I will do this for you. And before the day's over, I've already just abandoned that commitment. I will never do this, Jesus. If you'll get me through this, I'll never do this again. And I find myself doing it. Do you? Do you sometimes find yourself to be a failure and you feel small and insignificant? Can you imagine Peter at that moment wanted to run, wanted to hide? In fact, he did run. It says he went out. And he wept bitterly. We don't know where he went to. He may have gone to a cave somewhere, a shelter somewhere, a tree somewhere, and he may have just poured his heart out to God. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Knowing that all the I'm sorry's in the world won't change what had taken place. That's why the title of this message is so important. The title is Easter Changes everything. 
we're going to see Peter become in the latter part of the New Testament, if not the one of the primary leaders in the church. The church that was in Jerusalem as it exploded worldwide, largely, especially at its beginning, it was because of Peter. It was through Peter and what Jesus was doing through his life. What made the difference between this man who hid? And by the way, for the next two days, as Jesus is in the cross, has been crucified and is laid in the grave, he continued to hide. He continued to be afraid, sure that one day somebody's going to find out he was lying to them in the garden. He really was one of Jesus' followers. That they may come and do to him the same thing that they did to Jesus. But all of a sudden, Peter becomes this bold man of faith. And this one who's willing to follow Jesus to prison and even to death. Because we know that that's what happened to Peter. That he ended up in prison and he ended up being crucified himself. Because of his commitment to Jesus. What made the difference? Easter. When Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty for his sin, for Peter's sin, when he was buried in the grave and on the third day, on that early, on that Sunday morning on Easter, he was resurrected out of the grave, it changed Peter's life. I want to borrow a, an outline, if I can, from Max Licato in his book, Six Hours, One Friday, as he tells of three different things that are, that are critical to understanding Easter, the difference that Easter makes. I, I, I want to point this out to you, that the character in this story, the main character in this drama that we've talked about today, isn't Peter. It isn't the high priest, it isn't the temple guards, it's Jesus. How Jesus knew what Peter was going to do, and yet he said to him, Peter, you're going to fail me, but when you return to me, I want you to teach and strengthen your brothers. And so Jesus is the character here in the story. And it's Jesus we need to look at. So let's take a look at what Jesus did at Easter for Peter. Because of Easter, there are three things that I want to, I want to share with you again, as I said, that were true of Max Licato, uh, Mac, in Max Licato's book, Six Hours, One Friday. Here's the first thing that we need to know because of Easter. Because of Easter, our lives are not futile. Because of Easter, our lives are not futile. Peter may have thought as he was out weeping bitterly, what am I going to do now? I mean, I can't be a follower of Jesus. Look, I've let him down. Have you ever felt that way? God would never have me back. If, if God only knew what was on my thoughts or Part of my actions, well, let me tell you something. Not only does God sees all, he knows before we do them. And we may feel that we have disqualified ourselves in some way from following Jesus. But because Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins, and because his death on the cross uh, uh, ushered in grace on our lives, our lives 
can matter. Our failures even can matter. Peter, you can take your mistakes and you're just the first of many. And as others along the way fail, you can say, I've been there. I know what, you, what you're going through, but God still has a plan and a purpose. Your life is not futile. The second thing that I think that Easter tells us is that because of Easter, our death is not final. Death doesn't have the last word for us. That is, I hope that that encourages you and comforts you. You may have lost a loved one, maybe recently, maybe long ago. Because of Easter, death doesn't have the last word. Over in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about that in chapter 15. That, that when Jesus was resurrected from the grave, he was the first of many. The first fruits of many who would be raised from the grave. Death doesn't have the final word for the Christian. Death isn't over. Death isn't, doesn't mean it's all finished, that it's final. Because we have been promised eternal life. And the third lesson that I think that we can uh, remember because of Easter is that because of Easter, our failures are not fatal. The mistakes of our lives don't have to take our lives away from us. We can continue to follow Jesus victoriously. They don't, they don't defeat us. They don't destroy us. I think one of the, the examples of the church that I've seen in times past is not so much that we are a, a mighty, staggering army that's ready to take on the world and we can win, but rather... Those who along the way have become battered and bruised by life, have made mistakes and failures, but because of the grace of God have been restored and set back on our feet and empowered by the Holy Spirit, our failures are not going to destroy our ability to follow Jesus. So I, I just pray that you just might be encouraged by that today. You see, you make choices of how you're going to follow. You make choices. And so as you choose to follow Jesus, I pray that you will make the choice today to follow him from a distance, from right up close, wherever you are. And as failures come and as mistakes, as mistakes may come our way, that you will, that you will trust that Jesus will forgive you and restore you today. These are dark times that we're in. Just like when, when uh, Peter was in the garden, it was a dark night. And in dark times, it's easy for us to fail. But if we'll remain faithful, he'll restore us, and he will redeem us, and he will use us to make a difference in these dark times. Will you pray with me now? Father, I pray right now for everyone who's hearing my voice, who is, who is, uh, who is speaking uh, to you right now, that right now, Father, you just might uh, be encouraged, uh, that you might encourage them, and that, that they might, as they pray before you, recognize and receive the forgiveness that you have for us. Today, Father, we 
are confronted with choices. Will we be discouraged? Will we be gloomy? Will we allow the circumstances of our lives to control our lives? Or will we faithfully say, I have decided to follow Jesus? Today, Father, I pray for everyone that we just might be encouraged as we commit our way to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.